Hey, Seymour. How you doing today? I hope you're hungry. Because Uncle Ivan's here with your din-din. A delicious goldfish. I hope you like it, baby. Get ready now. Here it is. Go get it. There you go, kid. Ah, you got him. That's my boy. Oh, you're terrific. Oh, that's my baby. Good old Seymour never misses. Hello and welcome to another episode of that So Random, a random movie podcast. I am Heath Lambert. With me this evening, once again, Chris Lambert. Sir? Hello. <laughs> Feels like it's been so long. Yeah, what was the last one you were on? I was just trying to think of that earlier. Tamara. Oh yeah, that wasn't terribly long ago. Yeah, it was like six or seven episodes, something like that. We are talking about this episode, The Death Merchant from 1991, Mm. which, but people who love The Room, you're sleeping on this thing. Let me tell you what. (laughs) I have so many notes because every four seconds, something ludicrous happened in this movie. That makes no sense. I feel like this movie was written Axe Cop style by a bot. You know that guy on Twitter who who's gone, kind of got big and went viral? Uh, Pat yes, something who's I like, I fed however many hours of something into a bot and it spit this out. Yes, this this is that movie. Scripts. This is that movie <laughs> written by a bot who watched nothing but the shittiest possible 80s action movies and then edited by Guy Pierce's character from Memento while he was confined to an iron lung. That's what this movie is. It's insane. Uh, yes. And there's so many characters. And, <laughs> 80% um, of which do not matter whatsoever. No, and you will you will constantly confuse them for each other because they're so bland and uninteresting that mm-hmm. they start to meld together. This is true. Especially anyone who is a government agent of any kind. Yes. Also, the sound in this movie. Yes. There is a constant. I thought it was part. I thought it was just a really bad score at first. But there's times where it happens while the score is also happening. So it's not that. There's a constant clicking sound in the background of this movie. It almost sounds like a typewriter. Well, it's it's like a. It's an echo. It's like the entire soundtrack. All of the sound effects and, and voices are like trebled and you just you hear it overlapping itself at all times but there's a yeah but there's this clicking constantly yeah every five or six seconds in the background and then yeah the sound effects are <laughs> like i don't know like they don't they didn't know what foley was they just held the microphone as close as possible to the thing they were trying to get the sound of because there's a telephone at one point in this movie that is the loudest thing He's pushing buttons on the phone, and it's it's it really bananas. It sounds like they mixed all of the sound for this movie in inside an Altoids tin. <laughs> That's accurate. The main star of this film, the titular, I guess, deaf merchant. I guess, yeah. I guess he's an arms dealer, which you won't find out. There's one throwaway line halfway through the movie, or three quarters of the way through the movie, that tells you that. Otherwise. Your guess is as good as mine. He's a Bond villain, sort of. I don't know. But he's played by Lawrence Tierney, who's the guy from Reservoir Dogs, who was like the, the leader, the, you know, you're not Mr. No. Purple, you're Mr. Pink, that guy. That is what I always remember him. Motherfucker looks just like the thing, that guy. There's a guy on another job who's Mr. Purple, you're Mr. Pink. That's right. And we open with him in silhouette with just like a slinky lady in front of him, given this boring monologue about blah 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 but the point of the basically the the point of it is i control the fate of the world (laughs) i'm that guy i'm the guy behind the scenes since the cold war ended i pull all the strings which we will learn is factually very inaccurate because there will come a point in this movie where he is begging for his life on the phone (laughs) so there are people above him so that's a pointless scene yeah the the opening of this film is so weird because it, it's like it starts twice. It starts with that little like snippet of you know monologue, whatever, and then it starts again with. There's. We'll have to get into that. But. There's seven minutes and forty six seconds, sort of like a cold open, which we will then see again 
in its entirety at the end of the movie because they show us the end of the movie first including characters that we don't know yeah i mean obviously at the beginning we don't know anybody but there's a shot there's a shot of who we will come later to learn is mckinley the guy with the mullet climbing over a roof and climbing over a fence and then not seen again in the opening because his part of the ending isn't shown till later so we're just yeah, getting random show... footage of people climbing fences who have no effect yeah. on the scene we're watching. <laughs> yeah, and like 30 seconds later, there's a random shot of his partner, Tracy, just like like ducking between boats and stuff in this little boatyard. And we, there's no explanation for that either. Nope. Won't it's see her just, again. She's there and then she's gone. And the, I mean, I understand this. <laughs> the flash forward and then reveal where it's going has been done many times and effectively sometimes. But not but seven not minutes and forty six seconds, right? And not, and it's like an edited pairing down or from a different right. point of view or something. This is the exact footage, <laughs> second for second, of what happens later and what happens after it. At the end is like two more minutes of film, and then the movie is over. Mm-hmm. So it's the end of the movie. <laughs> it is in its almost entirety. Oh, so this car pulls up to this dockyard or whatever and they go up into this office this guy's being held at gunpoint and he comes in and oh amber or not amber amanda there you are and this girl jumps up where she's being also held at gunpoint by lawrence tierney and his sort of femme fatale assistant natasha and of course we don't know any of these names you'll learn them later you don't need them right now <laughs> yeah this guy he's like oh professor i have you know blah 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 you're reunited with your daughter and he's like, you have to, you know, let us go. And Lawrence Tierney, who's Ivan, says, you're not in any position to make demands. And then immediately caves to his demands. Because <laughs> he's like, untie her immediately. And he's, you're not in any position to give demands. And then turns to Natasha and goes, let her loose. <laughs> so I guess, I guess he's just being nice. I don't know. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, he does seem to, uh, through a lot of the movie, be a very agreeable evil arms dealer he's he's quite accommodating at a lot of times Uh, he loves his fucking fish i'll tell you that (laughs) (laughs) we'll get to it it's gonna be the clip at the beginning of the episode because it's very unintentionally funny so then he turns the gun on natasha his assistant lady and he's like oh you know you always want to show me your loyalty show me your loyalty now kill amanda take this knife and kill her and she does the fake, like, no wonder you got shot. Because she does the fakest, like, there I go, I just cut her throat. That he can see, he's standing right next to her. He can see that she did not remotely cut this girl at all. And so he blasts her and shoots her dead. Well, but we don't know who this is. It's ad- it's edited really poorly, camera angles and stuff. But I think she was turning to whip the knife at him. But you can't really tell the way they shot it. No, it looks like she's doing a super exaggerated stage version of cutting someone's throat. Like, they need to see this in the back of the room. Wow. But yeah, Um, like you said, none of this has any impact. It doesn't, like, build tension and go, ooh, I wonder how they got here. Because they're saying names you don't know. They're talking about things that happened that you haven't seen yet. And it's all just pointless and confusing. And it's super, super pointless since they're going to show all of it again. So it was like their movie was a hundred. It was an hour and twenty-seven minutes, and without repeating the last seven to eight minutes, the movie was like an hour and fifteen minutes. So they're like, we need to make this a little bit longer. How can we do that? Oh yeah, or they thought they were doing some cool kind of in media res, and we'll come back to it thing. But you can't do that for seven and a half minutes <laughs> with no context whatsoever. No, because then we there, yeah, there's shots of McKinley jumping around. Who's this? mullet man then there's uh his other assistant lady who we don't we don't know who that is talking to nail the head navy guy we don't know who that is but they're having a conversation about like are we gonna double cross him yeah i'm gonna double cross him you're who are you who are you who are you double crossing (laughs) because (laughs) we we won't see that double cross yeah (laughs) what the fuck are you doing oh my god yeah and there's a shot of tracy mckinley's partner climbing over a fence and dunking between boats and then she won't be seen again who was that don't know it has nothing to do with anything at this point what a waste of time (laughs) so that's all over 
because it cuts because when does it cut away from that when he's he he shoots natasha and then they come in the um what is her name martina yeah it comes and, and the other guy they come in to to double cross him and he's like oh you you're so deceptive and she's like oh i learned everything from you and now you're gonna die and then it cuts away yeah and it says eight days earlier we're in egypt or as close to it as they could find in california i guess because <laughs> it doesn't look particularly middle eastern i don't know and um there's the professor and his well first off we're treated to three solid minutes of this jeep driving through the desert they had to have something to play the credits over i guess i get uh, i suppose <laughs> doesn't make it fun to watch but this is amanda who we just saw meeting her father professor what's his name uh i had it here somewhere i have it somewhere too I just wrote Professor at first, because they don't tell you his name for a long time. He's just Professor. Yeah, I, Faraday. Yes, Professor Faraday. I um, just had him as Doc in most of my notes. He's admonishing his crew of Arab guys or whatever that he's hired to, like, I told you, like, you can't, they blow a hole in this game. And he's like, it's not, I said no explosives. You can't do that. No detonations. And he and Amanda, who I don't know what her credentials are, but <laughs> I don't know that she should be stomping around this. No. ancient burial site but in this cave she she proves that a lot actually she sure does. in this cave well but she also finds the thing that he apparently can't see across the room that she can but well and she does it by tripping over something yeah. and She's almost smashing the thing that they're looking absolutely for. useless but yeah so she follows him into this cave which is very well lit by the sun coming in behind them but she keeps saying like oh it's so dark like it's it's creepy in the dark and he's got a flashlight. Doesn't need it. It's very bright. <laughs> <laughs> but they get further in. He finds some slab about, you know, oh, this is the tomb of so-and-so. And there's a curse yeah, on the, the Egyptian King Shohaman, yes. I guess is what it is. Yeah. yeah, there's a curse on this and beware and all this stuff. And she <laughs> back, she's backing away from it sort of trips on a rock not really she just kind of stubs her toe on it but winds up falling into yeah like this dais that has this urn on it which has a light shining on it from where don't know in this dark ass cave that's so scary yeah but he's like oh shit you found it it's in full view it's not like behind a rock or something absolutely not she literally walked into it he didn't see it no (laughs) right he was so distracted by this slab but so they have this urn for whatever. So you're sitting here thinking like, oh, okay, is this a movie? Like, I don't know what we saw there at the beginning, but is this like, is there supernatural stuff going on? This is like, why are you introducing the idea of a cursed Egyptian tomb if it will come to nothing? It never plays any sort of role in the movie. Ever. <laughs> well, except for there's like these, there's supposedly this sect of people that are like the protectors of Yeah, the but they're not real. They're just red herrings yeah, that Ivan totally sets up. Made up. <laughs> so none of this cursed shit mays, matters at all. Yeah, this ancient legend that he started spreading a week ago. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah, so they take this urn out of the cave. We cut back to Ivan, who's on the phone with some colonel somewhere, and he's he's pulling a Darth Vader on, on Lando Calrissian. He's giving him a real, like, the terms of our deal. Because he's like, you know, oh no, the urn's coming, don't worry, but you have to pay me in gold now. Here's the account. The account numbers are the same, but you have to pay me in gold. In gold. Don't ask why. I just, that's just it. I feel like Lawrence Tierney showed up to set, having never seen the script, shot his scenes in whatever order. Which I guess, I mean, he always shoots stuff out of order. But I don't think he knew day to day what the fuck he was doing, because all of his scenes are just interspersed. You know, I mean, that's every scene in the movie altogether. I guess right. whether he's in it or not, but. I got that same feeling from the guy that plays Jason later on. Like, I just, I felt like he was reading his pages right before he walked on set and was possibly boozed up at the time. But we'll get to him. Yes. So we cut to the L.A. airport where Professor Faraday and Amanda have just gotten off a plane with this urn. There's a crowd of people. Apparently it's this is huge news that they found this urn. There's a crowd of people who are like, 
oh no, that's cursed. Take it back. You can't have that. Stop. Boo, boo, hiss, boo. And they're like about to get ripped apart by this crowd. There's also a guy who is being chased by, you don't know who. You assume airport security, but it's not. It's a couple of Ivan's guys. But we just see him running across the tarmac for a while. And he attempts to, it's edited together so badly. You lose track of what's even happening. But he's next thing you know, he has the urn and he's wrestling with Professor Faraday over it. And he's whispers something in Faraday's ear, and then he gets hauled away or killed. Well, he, what happened? I don't remember. I think he was he was already dying because during one of the oh yeah shots he, he runs into this one guy who stabs him in the stomach, and then he just keeps running, like he didn't just get stabbed. That, that'll in the be stomach. a theme later on too. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Yeah. But yeah, so they're like, oh shit, we got to get this urn out of here. These people are crazy. We got to get into the museum now. At what point? They're jumping ahead a little bit because we're gonna learn. <laughs> Whatever. The movie's already disjointed. It doesn't matter what, what we do to it. At what point did this chip get put into this urn? Is it here at the airport? Was it always in there back in the cave? Is it when it got... To, I don't When? Know. He took it out of a cave? I don't know. I mean, I guess they the assumption is, is that the guy who just died at the airport slipped it in there while he was... When he had a hold of it. But then by the time it gets to Ivan, it's not in there anymore. Maybe it must be that he—that's he, what he whispered to Faraday—is I just stuck, I put a chip in this urn. You got to get it out, because later Faraday has the chip, hiding in his house plant that he stares at all day. And he, like, he's very disinterested in it because, like, he doesn't do anything with it. He doesn't call anybody about it. He just kind of finds it and sticks it in a plant and stares at it. But he, like, he does nothing about it. No, his only interest was in I found this urn and I got it to the museum. Mission accomplished. Yeah, so I, now I'm stuck with this chip, why. and I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I don't. I mean, with the amount of you know plan he had for the chip, I don't know why he didn't just chuck it in the garbage. It was like the prize at the bottom of the cereal box, but it wasn't the one he wanted. Yeah, there's some mention of <laughs> like he. I think there's some mention that he was thinking like, oh, I'll sell this somewhere, but he's not equipped to. He doesn't uh, know. Yeah, he true. doesn't know how to access the black market. He, that's true. I think he he's does. just sitting on it until hopefully one day he runs into someone who wants it, I guess. <laughs> Which you will, but not the way you want. Anyway, so then we come back to Ivan in another random scene where he is... <laughs> oh, Seymour baby, he never misses. He's got this big fish in a tank who he loves like you love your child and <laughs> and your girlfriend or wife. <laughs> like He... He's got a goldfish. He's like, ooh, Seymour, baby, here it comes. Here's your din-din. Ooh, boy, Seymour, I love you. Ooh, God, you're the best fish in the world. And he dumps this goldfish in, and the big fish grabs it. And he's like, ooh, he never misses Seymour. So... <laughs> the relationship this man has with this fish is not okay. <laughs> I don't know. But then the phone rings, and he gets angry that he's distracted from fishy time. And the call is from someone to tell him that, like, hey, the urn, we got that guy, but he doesn't have the chip on him. He maybe stuck it in this urn that went to the museum. We don't know. Like, how? Do, if you know, these are the worst criminals ever. If you know <laughs> that the guy who's supposed to have the chip doesn't have the chip anymore, and you know he's stuck it in this urn, why are you letting the professor get it to the museum? Why aren't you hijacking him on his way there? Why are you waiting for it to get to, to the museum so you have to go and steal it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and, and the other thing that I don't get, and it's it's more of a point later, but I can make it here because it makes sense here. Going to the professor about the chip is his very last thought. He <laughs> yes. thinks of everyone else. Yes. Aside from the guy that has the freaking urn. And, and everyone, the everyone else. Minutes th- of the movie. <laughs> everyone else thinks to come to the professor. Naval intelligence and the Department of Cultural Affairs—they're all coming to talk to the professor, and he's giving them bupkis. But Ivan's like, oh. Yeah. I- 40 minutes into the film, after he's had, like, five people whacked, he's like, you know, maybe the professor... Actually, I think one of the women is like, maybe the professor still has it. And he's like, yes, I should check with the professor. I don't know how this guy didn't like, get killed decades ago. Like, why wasn't that your ago. first thought? How are you this old? <laughs> you should have been murdered so long ago for your ineptitude. But while he's on this phone call, which is very upsetting to him, that they have lost the chip and they don't know where it is, but it's probably in an Ernest Museum. Natasha is standing behind him with a shotgun, admiring it for the entirety of his phone call. <laughs> Just turning it over in her hands like, wow, that's pretty cool. Dude, can I cock? Oh, I can cock it. Holy shit. Like she's never seen one before. <laughs> And she's just 
so funny. She's just in the background, just loving on this shotgun. So speaking of Natasha and guns, we cut to her wasting a great deal of time and effort. She pulls up to the museum. Her plant, she thinks she's some master of disguise or something, but she always just resorts to shooting people. So it's all a waste of time. <laughs> she pulls up to the museum and there's a, there's a guard there with his shirt like unbuttoned down to it. So you, like he's got man, hairy man cleavage. He's like, this isn't professional, sir. You're the guard at a, muse- a well-regarded museum. You're supposed to have a, some decorum to you. You look like you're covered in Cheeto dust, you fuck. <laughs> but she pulls up and she's like, oh, we were here earlier. My daughter left her teddy bear and she won't go sleep without it. So can you just let me in and just get this teddy bear? And he's like, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. And she asks him some more times. And he's like, all right, I suppose I can. Let me just get a hold of my partner. And that's her cue to be like, oh, fuck this. And it's just silence shoots this guy three times in the stomach and he falls over dead. Next thing we know, she is in the museum which I would assume was locked if it's after hours, but she found her way in. Why even fuck around with this story? If you're willing to just shoot people and break in anyway, just pull up next to the guy, shoot him in the face, and keep driving. Why are you messing around with this stupid story? You really think you're... <laughs> I don't know who, man. <sighs> like this is the Curse of the Pink Plant Panther or something. Like, get on with your day. <laughs> and she's just waltzing through the museum, taking her sweet-ass time in this museum, too, just walking around, like... There's the urn, you see it. Run to it, grab it, run your ass back outside to your car, right? <laughs> it's like she wants to get busted and shoot more people because she just is very slowly walking to the museum, mm, admiring this urn. And the other guard that she was told about shows up and is like, hey, what are you doing in here? And she's like, mm, and she shoots him too. Like, See, I was wondering about that because I looked away or something because I thought she, because the guy had said what his partner's name was, like Jeff or something. And she, he's like, hey, what are you doing? And she turns around and says, oh, hey, you must be Jeff. Yeah. I looked away or something. I didn't see her shoot him. I thought he was just like, okay, well, hey, and walked away. <laughs> no, she shoots him too. So I was very confused. I was like, this plan is working very well. I mean, it's confusing either way, whether you watch it or not. You can watch it with your with the blindfold on. It's going to make just as much fucking sense. So back at Ivan's estate, anytime he laughs or yells really does anything he needs he starts coughing horribly and they have to like give him an oxygen tank which i guess pays off in the end i for most of the movie i was thinking it didn't really matter but it, it actually kind of does in the stupidest way possible but oh my god i um, actually laughed out loud at that part but we'll, we'll get it's funny that. man he's like god I, I need this oxygen and i still won't quit smoking and natasha's like you can smoke if you want like you're the big boss man you can do whatever you want you'll be fine and uh, what's what's the other one's name? Arlene? No. Uh, Martina. Martina. It's like, yeah, you should quit smoking. It's disgusting. And we learn that these two helpers of his, Martina and Natasha, do not care for each other <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> they both think that they're conniving whores who are <laughs> nothing but trouble and yeah, bad at their both jobs. Constantly just telling him about the other one. Why don't you just get rid of her? You don't need her. You got me. You know. And... Yeah, one is we never see it. Thank the Lord. But one assumes they're both sleeping with this dude, right? Yeah. He's not uh, keeping his... I, I did make that assumption, yes. I mean, he's not... Why wouldn't you... Like, why do you have two female henchmen if you're this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why wouldn't you have a couple big, strong-arm bruiser guys? So, yeah. But thankfully, it never comes up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so she's brought him the urn. He's like, yes, you've earned... Like, good job. You've earned my trust once again, like you always do. Which he seems to forget at the end or the beginning when he's like, ah, you're always letting me down. <laughs> what? One time she lets you down. She's come through for you way more than Martina has. But he's like, yeah, all he's right, cool. He's constantly flipping back and forth between like threatening her and you better do it right this time to praising her. Oh, you're always doing your job so well. It's like, well, which is it? He's... Is she always screwing up or is she always a professional? I don't know. She's no fish, that's for sure. <laughs> But he's like, cool, we got this urn now. And then he puts it on the desk and smashes it with his cane. And they're like, oh my god, what have you done? But they knew... The whole yeah. reason they went and stole it was they knew there was a chip in it. So why are they shocked that he's smashing it? I, whatever. But he smashes it and he's sifting through the chunks of this vase. And the chip is not there. And he loses his mind about it. He might even start yelling at Natasha about it. Like, hey, sir, <laughs> she did what you asked. <laughs> she killed two men to get this urn for you. It's not her fault. And Martina's like, I bet she stole it. I bet she stole it before she brought you the urn. 
And they're going back and forth. He's like, I can't trust either one of you. I'm going to have to get outside help. Which he does in the form of a fellow named Valdir, who is, I guess, the head of the Department of Cultural Affairs, but also has, like, a backstory about how he was a spy for his... He moved here when he was 12, but he was also a spy for his mother's country, which they never tell us what it is. And this is... This is maybe my favorite thing. They have a conversation, which he's... You know, they're going... Ivan and Valdir are going back and forth like, oh, you have to you have to help me find this urn, you know, get your people or find the chip, get the, you know, get your people on it. And this conversation ends with, because Ivan's starting to like, or I'm basically, you're going to help me out. You work for me now or else I'm going to tell people about your secret past as a spy or whatever, how you're a dirty agent. And the, this conversation and this scene ends with Valdir being like, but that's blackmail. And then we cut away. Yeah. This is very important. Remember this moment. Remember that scene ends with him saying, that's blackmail. And then we go to a different thing. Because half an hour from now, that's going to be important. <laughs> then we meet McKinley, who's the bullet man we saw climbing around earlier. It's who... funny because I actually, up until this point, I had him in my notes as, as mullet man. Mullet man, so, so did and I. Then... I have McKinley, comma, mullet man, comma, <laughs> agent for... The cultural affairs department david mckinley cultural affairs i've never understood that about this what their place is in the world in this movie they treat cultural affairs as if they're the like cia they're the yes. cia yes 100 <laughs> they've got like spies and secret agents and and officers and it's like wait i'm pretty sure they just said attaches to like i i, I think my school <laughs> had a people. cultural affairs department in middle school <laughs> I don't know. Were they running around with guns and stuff? <laughs> but Valdir is McKinley's boss, and he's telling him, oh, you're on this case now. You're on the case of this guy who died at the airport and figuring out what that was all about. We also meet McKinley's, I guess, partner Tracy, this woman who has what, four lines in this movie, maybe, scattered throughout. <laughs> She's absolutely useless. Remove this character. We have too many characters. But he's like, you need to go talk to the professor and see what was going on at the airport. So McKinley goes, talks to Professor Faraday in, I guess, the break room and his, wherever he works. Because they're just like, there's like a vending machine behind him. They're just sitting, I don't know. But the professor is of no help whatsoever because he asks him some questions. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen him before. I don't know. And then regales him with the story of like, you know, there was this cult around that, you know, that worshipped Pharaoh, whatever, whatever. Okay, bye. <laughs> McKinley's left like, thanks, I guess. I learned nothing from you. Thanks, Professor. There's handing out doctors now, aren't they? <laughs> and then we meet the Naval Intelligence Boys, whose names I'll be fucked if I even wrote down. Because who uh, cares? Fact, right here in my notes, what I have is back-to-back -back scenes of bland government agent types talking about the chip. I start to lose track of who's who. Yeah, there's t well, they won't be around long, so don't worry about it. Because, <laughs> again, they are characters that are not needed in this movie, are introduced and then dispatched within five minutes. Yeah. Pointless. But they're talking to... So Nail is their boss. He's the head of the NSA. The sign behind him says the NSA, which is not yes. naval something something. <laughs> no. NSA is and it's... National Security and... Agency. Yeah. And they keep talking about how they're all Navy pilots. And here at the Navy, we need to do this. That's not what NSA stands for, man. I don't know what you think it stands for. Navy secret agents? I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, my God. But he's telling them, like, okay, now you need to follow this McKinley guy around. Because he's on point on this thing, but I don't trust him. I don't know. He's from cultural affairs. Pfft. We're from Naval Secret Stash or whatever the fuck. So you need to go... <laughs> follow him around and they're like hey what he's like okay i know you what are you even doing here you're not supposed to be here and he's like oh so-and-so's on his anniversary so I, i'm taking his spot like you're covering a shift at taco john's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that will be important for about 40 seconds at some point because this man will still be on his anniversary days later <laughs> they're really going to town with his anniversary then we have, rather than creating any mystery, actually, whatsoever, for us as an audience, for the characters, sort of, but rather than have a scene of, oh shit, this Navy guy got killed and a glass pyramid was left here, what could that possibly mean? But prior to that, we get a scene of Ivan explaining to Natasha 
what the glass <laughs> pyramid means because he's like, oh, I got this little glass pyramid. It's the symbol of the Shoshones or whatever the fuck this Egyptian cult was. And I'm going to put it at all the crime scenes as a red hair. Like, what? <laughs> you couldn't leave us a moment to, like, wonder and try to think for ourselves and figure it out? Absolutely not. So we are we are eight steps ahead of every character in this movie at all times. <laughs> because we know what's going on. And no one else knows what's going on. Backwards, man. It's backwards. Well, and, and every time one of these guys dies, they at the crime scene, the investigators refer to them as Navy pilots. Right. So I was, I'm sitting there going, why are they killing Navy pilots? What does being a pilot have to do with it? Are they investigators or are they pilots? I don't understand why... Why didn't they just call them like, you know, Navy intelligence officers or something? Yeah. Which again is not what NSA stands for. <laughs> <laughs> is it a prerequisite to join the to be in the NSA that you had to have been a pilot for the Navy? I don't believe so, but what do I know? We have a scene and it's a scene you've seen in many many times usually in in mobster and gangster movies. This one Navy pilot guy is coming out to his car he's waving goodbye to his wife his wife's all oh hey see you later honey and he gets in the car and we watch him slowly put his key in the car and we're thinking oh shit car bomb what would you think yeah car exactly. bomb right yeah that's the set that's the setup we've seen a million times nope he gets shot through the windshield in the head by a sniper that we never see yeah and in a suburban neighborhood in his driveway facing the street yeah where's so the, the sniper? person that shot him had to have shot him from the house across the street <laughs> How <did he> not? <laughs> and his wife screams oh no because the, co- the car didn't blow up i don't know what to tell you lady oh man and then we cut to i keep saying something's the best part but this really is the best part because it's caldwell's daydream which is a oh my God. collected goes... montage of random shit from action movies yes and random I, I conversations is... with his i guess ex-wife yeah <laughs> it's our obligatory nudity which is crammed in for no reason whatsoever the first thing we see is him it, he's laid out like getting a tan next to the pool with all his clothes on drunk yeah, yeah drunk <laughs> and we see what he's dreaming and it's him driving through the desert jumping out of his truck or jeep or whatever shooting a gun at nothing then we cut to him having a discussion with a woman and saying you know baby if this job ever gets too much for you maybe we're split split. okay but and then we're back in the desert he's firing a grenade launcher like the one with the big (laughs) rotary barrel on it like boo 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 shooting again at nothing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) then we cut back to her in the shower for some reason then we cut back to the desert and a pickup truck explodes in a fireball for no reason no one's around it then we cut back to them having sex and then we cut to just random like it's like him running and then like is am i wrong or was there a mushroom cloud maybe <laughs> no. might have been. yeah and it's like it's all i guess supposed to set up that he's like a badass you know he's an ex such and such badass but it feels like like scenes of this character from a previous movie <laughs> from three other in, movies no previous movie that don't exist <laughs> correct and also he's not the main character of this movie no ivan is he's and honestly he's the third string guy David. behind mckinley yeah mckinley is more of the main character <laughs> in this movie than he is and we're not getting any backstory on him how other than he doesn't know how to have he has bad taste in hairdos that's it. That's all we know. And honest to God, the this is this can I can insert this anywhere, but between the look and feel of the film and him, McKinley, looking so much like Nick, it this movie felt so much like Time Chasers to me. <laughs> like I like I saw his haircut in the scene where he's like running with the the college gray T shirt on. I'm like, oh my god, this guy is Nick from Time Chasers. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit and he's just as effective too possibly less so <laughs> boy oh boy so his dream is interrupted his hilarious montage bullshit dream is interrupted by mckinley and tracy which i don't know if that's her first name or her last name yeah no could be either could be 
Don't know. But they walk Tracy, into Tracy. Tracy. Yes, this is Agent Tracy. Tracy, Doctor, Doctor. <laughs> but they, yeah, they just waltz in his backyard and they're like, "Hey, you're Jason Caldwell, right? We we want to talk to you because you're like the expert on like Middle Eastern shit from back when you were like." A freelance, whatever I don't know, whatever mercenary or whatever you were. They don't. They don't say. They don't say what. Yeah, he they was. don't say. <laughs> they just say you have experience, and we know he can shoot a gun from the flashbacks, and that's exactly yes. You've been in the desert with guns. Good enough <laughs> for me. They're like we need your help with this thing. And he's like, no, fuck off, though. <laughs> I'm drunk. And Tracy gives him some shit about being a drunk, because he gives her shit. He's like, wow, they just hire like kid girls to come and be agents. And she's like, I don't know, they retire drunks, right? So she gives it back. She's pretty good. She's maybe the best character in this movie, which is sad. Because she says, yeah, she has, that's like one of her five lines in this movie. And his his turnaround <laughs> it's so is fast. so quick. Because he, he's like belligerent and drunk and like, fuck it, fuck it, forget it. I'm not he ever says, going back. And he he's says, like, I'll think about it. Because <laughs> like, she's like, what about your patriotic duty? And he says, don't wave that goddamn flag at me. And then he turns around <laughs> to face away from them, looks at his pool and then turns back around and goes, all right, think about it. <laughs> Check back with me tomorrow. I'll think about it. Let me sleep on it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then we see the Professor Faraday sitting at his desk next to his phone and a potted plant, which he lifts like a rock from, and the chip is underneath it. And he looks at it for a second and puts it back under the rock and is sitting there next to his phone, which is exactly where we will see him the next time we see him 20 minutes from now, which tells me that, like, the lady in audition, he has not moved. Yeah, and the scene 20 minutes from now is like two days later. Yes. And he's he's still he's just head down on the desk. He sitting there waiting for a call that's not coming. Huh. Okay, now, this is very important. Remember when we said, remember the scene between Valder and Ivan that ended three days ago? <laughs> with them talking about, with that ended with him saying, but that's blackmail. We now cut to a scene of Valder and Ivan, with the same two helpers standing behind them, on the same dock they were on before, at the same time of day, wearing the same clothes, and Ivan says, but extortion is a key, has been a historically a, a key to criminals like us. It's the same scene. It's the second half of the scene we had before, they just cut it off and put it half an hour later and pretended it was three days later, even though it's the same <laughs> conversation resuming. What? <laughs> are you talking about <laughs> i'm i'm pretty sure this movie was edited by a salad shooter they just chucked it all in yeah and let... <laughs> it did it was confetti at gay pride parade and then they swept it up and then reassembled it i don't know i'm surprised there aren't stills from like other movies just spliced into here <laughs> like the dicks in fight club just <laughs> oh man oh I wrote in quotes dental plan because this scene reminds me of the Simpsons gag where Homer is listening to the thing and he keeps hearing Lisa needs braces dental plan Lisa needs braces dental plan and it plays three times because McKinley is out jogging and we hear the conversations that he has had already with Nail yeah. and whoever else and we hear it three times back to back and it reminded me so much of that oft-used <laughs> Simpsons gag yes he, so he's out jogging, he's approaching his where he left his car, and here's Natasha now, dressed up, again, wasting her time. <laughs> because we're going to find out, her plan is just to shoot him. But she's pretending to be a stranded motorist with a flat tire. She's like, oh, you know, I don't know what to do. And he's like, oh, I don't have a jack or anything, but I'm like, I'm headed that way if you want to get a ride. And she's like, oh, I could, I could never. And he's like, no, it's fine, it's fine. Hard cut to them in bed. <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes later, sir, I've had to say this before on this podcast because characters in movies keep doing this. If you are an average to slightly above average looking gentleman, particularly if you have a mullet and a beautiful woman approaches you and within five minutes wants to jump in the sack with you, something is amiss <laughs> because that doesn't fucking happen. You are being led into a trap <laughs> it's called a honey trap for a reason and you fall into it every time use your brain anyway so we cut to them in bed she has rocked his world apparently because he's like oh my god i'm in heaven i can't even move and she's just getting up like it's no big deal it's just what do you do putting her robe on walks into the bathroom 
Does she even ask him anything? No, she's no, not no, even no. like asking him questions like, what do you know about the chip? I heard a thing about a chip. Nothing. She just goes into the bathroom, and before she can come back out with a silenced pistol, his door, his, he gets knocks on the door. It's Tracy coming to tell him something. So he leaves the room, and Natasha's like, well, shit, I guess, and puts her gun away. Drift gets dressed, climbs out the window. And he comes back in the room like, hey, Natalie, oh, oh she's gone. Oh, no. Yeah, what what was, was any of this like, for? I don't you could know. have shot it's him like... in the park where he was jogging. You could have shot yeah. him. Instead of sleeping with him, unless you were that so enamored of this guy, this very average-looking mulleted man, <laughs> I guess just got her so fucking wet, she couldn't help herself or something. I don't know. But she has no reason to, unless she likes playing with her food. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but she could have I, shot him like 8,000 going... times before this, but she slept with him, and then she could have shot him while he was going to answer the door. She could have waited for him to come back from answer the door and shoot him and Tracy both. But instead, she just leaves. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she could have, as soon as they got back to the house, and his pants were around his ankles, she shot him then, saved herself a mediocre roll in the sack. <laughs> and I, But it's like they're trying so hard to do this. She's the femme fatale. She's like Black Widow. She's a sexy, you know, super spy, assassin type. That I mean, and again, it happens again later on with one of the, the pilots she kills. She sleeps with him and then kills him. And we don't even see that. I don't even know what you're talking about, so... <laughs> I think it's like the third one, who, in fact, for a moment, I mistook for Valdair, because he looks a lot like Valdair. Oh, yeah, the guy who, looked, the, the guy the who gets poison gas? pilot. Right. Yeah. I didn't even realize that yeah. they slept together. I thought he was, like, spying yeah. on a house, and she walked by. No, he, like, comes out of her front door with his jacket over his shoulder and gets in his car, and he's like, man, what a lady. Wow. And, and, and he gets in the car completely. and then gets poison gas. And so, like, that time they didn't even show us that he seduced or she seduced him. It was just kind of implied. <laughs> yeah, we don't even, we wouldn't, don't even know 100% that it was her. Because we don't well, see her, true. really. That's true, I anyway. suppose. It could have just been some random lady. Maybe it was, was Martina. <laughs> no. But, yeah, so Natasha leaves without killing McKinley. And the next thing we see is her getting, so she's not, she's not some femme fatale she's not some super spy because the next thing we see is her getting slapped around by ivan for not killing mckinley which black widow would not fucking stand for no <laughs> so he's like oh my god you failed me again nope this is the first time she's coming through <laughs> for you over and over while fucking matilda or whatever her name is is standing over here being snarky getting you a drink once in a while natasha's boots on the ground man she's out there killing people for you she messed up one time not cool man you suck ivan yeah, he's slapping around. She said, no, I'll get it right this time. I'll, I'll go, you know, I'll fix this. Don't even worry about it. But she doesn't go out back after McKinley. Yeah, here's where she kills the Navy man. The guy, he's sitting in his car, and suddenly his car's full of gas, and he's, oh, no, uh, and he's choking, and he dies. And we cut to Caldwell and McKinley and some other dude finding the body, and you're like, this is weird. It smells funny, right? And look at his skin. We don't see his skin, so we don't know what they're talking no. about. <laughs> but they make a big deal about how weird his skin so looks. We yeah, don't see it. They're like, hey, look at his skin. And then they cut away. They <laughs> never show you what they're talking about. You don't even see them go, oh, yeah, his skin's all messed up. No, it's a throwaway line that has no purpose whatsoever. And he's like, I guess it's a poison gas that got him, but it's not like anyone I've ever seen. Maybe he just had a heart attack. Maybe this is nothing. Oh, nope, there's a glass triangle in his back, or a glass pyramid in his back seat. So this must be that cult. We should be looking into them. We asked the professor about it. He didn't know shit. <laughs> so... But again, this whole red herring with the, it doesn't, and amounts to nothing. Here's where you, yeah, and it's in this scene that I really noticed the constant clicking. While they're standing next to the car talking about the dead guy who got gassed, there's just this constant, like, yeah. in the back, and it's very annoying. <laughs> so Ivan ordered, Ivan has now figured out that I guess Caldwell's on the case, and that's bad news. So I'm going to send some people to rough him up. Caldwell is driving in a back alley. And three trucks like surround him and they pull him out and they punch him up some and throw him in a dumpster. Again, just kill him. If you're willing to kill everyone fucking else and he's the most dangerous one in the group, why are you just beating him up? Shoot him and dump his dead ass in the dumpster. Smash into his... What? You're the worst. Well, and help me out here because maybe... I can't, again, but go I looked ahead. Away. <laughs> maybe I looked away and missed a scene or something. But right before this, right before the where they rough him up, there's a scene where Jason meets with some friend of his who's like a government agent or something and asks him to look into the gas. And the guy's like, okay, yeah. And they have this little 
scene where they catch up and talk to each other in this restaurant, we never see this guy again, do we? And we never hear of him learning any information. We do see him again in a very, very okay, brief scene remember. where they're having a conversation, but I didn't mention it or rewrite it down because it does not matter whatsoever. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. There's, it makes no impact on the film. Not whatsoever. None whatsoever. <laughs> like most of this, like more so than any other scene, and that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, Caldwell meets with this old war buddy of his who runs a restaurant now, and he wants him to look into the glass pyramids, and then there's a scene like a 10 second scene in a little while that's Caldwell McKinley and this guy walking on the beach having a conversation oh, about yeah. like here's what I found out not much <laughs> in scene <laughs> so it's absolutely useless an entire character for no reason as many as many of them are <laughs> and both both the dead navy guys so far the navy guy who's about to die oh, because now we finally catch up to Neely, who is, as we learn, on his anniversary, which means he's standing around his house with, in a towel. His wife, who's a negligee, comes into the room. He gets a phone call that's like, Mr. Neely? And he's like, yeah. I don't remember what the, what's the rest of the phone call, but it's basically yeah, Natasha checking to see if he's home, really, is what it is. And we'll never, we don't see her either, but... And he hangs the phone up, and his wife comes in. He's like, who's that? And he's like, I don't know. It was weird. I guess we'll fuck now. And then we have another sex scene between two characters who we have met for three seconds, who will be gone three seconds from now. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is absolutely gratuitous and pointless and has no purpose other than, shit, it's, an, it's like a bad 80s action movie. We got to have, like, at least two of these things, right? Well, and it's not even like a an actual sex scene. It's just like them laying on the floor together and they pan slowly up her legs to their faces and they're laying there together and then he gets up and leaves. Yeah, it's like this it's like yeah, it's like the it's shadowy like, silhouette. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. But it's implied that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So Neely has been blown off where he's him and his wife have just been banging it out for the last four days, leaving everybody else to die. He probably doesn't even know his friends are dead. Because he's been, he does, he's taking it he's very been well. balls deep all weekend. He doesn't give a <laughs> shit. But yeah, and then he comes back out after they've done it, and he's standing in the same spot at like his little mini bar next to the phone. And then he looks up and he's like, "Oh, not who are you? How the fuck did you get in my house?" He's just like, "Huh?" And then you hear pop, pop, <laughs> and he falls over dead because Natasha just shot me. You don't see Natasha, but someone says something to him like oh, now you'll be out of my way or some some bullshit, and shoots him dad, and then the wife runs in and her teddy again. Oh, no, screaming. And then we'll never see any of them again. It took longer for us to describe what we just described than the actual scene is. That actual scene is maybe yes. 35 seconds long. <laughs> Nonsense. I cannot believe this movie. Man, this is in the... I got... This has to be in the running for maybe the worst movie we've done. <laughs> Not not necessarily enjoyment-wise, because there's fun to be had here, and there's right. some bad movies to watch that are not fun at all, but just on a production level-wise, yeah. I don't know if we've watched a movie that is stitched together from... Yeah, that, and that's it. That it's an editing issue more than anything. I feel like there might have been a movie that was shot. But we didn't see. I think there it. were six movies that were shot, <laughs> <laughs> and then someone fell down the stairs, and they had to figure out what was what. Because <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Let me tell you a tale, everyone. Uh, as someone who used to be a projectionist at a movie theater when that was still a thing, and we had giant four foot across, thirty five millimeter reels of film. If you had to move one of those from one auditorium to another, it took two or three people to get their arms under it and carry it over. And God forbid you drop it, because if you do. Because it's so tightly wound, you know, it literally explodes. You drop it on the floor and it unreels itself at high speed and your entire projection booth is f filled with a quarter mile of film. <laughs> or probably more, probably miles and miles of film. But I think that's what happened here. <laughs> anyway, I think four of those happened at the same time and they just glued them all together. I don't know. So, yeah, here's a scene with Ivan, like we mentioned earlier. Ivan's on the phone with... I guess, I don't know if it's that colonel or somebody. Somebody overseas. And he is 
basically begging for his life. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I don't know. I know I paid you already, but I'm, I'm having trouble finding the thing, but I will get it. I swear. No, don't do that. No, no, don't even say that. Don't even joke about that. Everything's fine. I'm going to get it for you. Like, on the verge of tears, the guy who yeah. pulls the strings and rules the world is middle management at best, it turns out. <laughs> he has a real elevated sense of self that has not been earned because he's scared he's about to get got by boogeyman in the night. So I guess you can see why he's taking it out on his uh, subordinates. Shit rolls downhill, as they say. And here's where we finally learn, because Nail, the air quotes NSA guy, um, is explaining it to Caldwell, right? They're like, oh, what this uh, to chip... to David. To McKinley? To okay. McKinley, yeah. What this chip is... Oh, yeah, he's like, all right, here's the deal. First off, I think there's a leak in your office. So you report to me now. You don't talk to Valder anymore because that guy's sus. You're going to come talk just to me, which I feel like makes you sus, but okay. <laughs> but he's like, but here's the deal. It's this chip. It's a missile chip. It's a missile guidance chip because we've known for a while that third world countries have the ability to like make nuclear weapons, but they don't have the technology to actually like aim them and get them where they're going. And this chip, if they get a hold of it, they'll probably attack us or Russia or Israel and it's going to be bad news. So we've got to find this chip before it gets out into the open on the black market or whatever. But where did this chip come? Where did this chip come from in the first place? How did they lose it? Why is there only one of them? <laughs> like they talk well, like it's the, the only one. The the ancient pharaohs had very advanced uh, nuclear technology, and <laughs> Shohaman had just had it buried with him. <laughs> I don't know. There could be an explanation, but we'll never hear it. Yeah, and here's where we have the loudest phone ever. I would have put it as the clip, but it would be the most annoying thing for anyone to listen to, so I'm not <laughs> going to do that. But if you watch this movie, definitely watch for this, because it's it's just him jabbing the numbers on the phone, and it's the loudest thing you've ever heard. And then when he hangs the phone back up down on the receiver, it's this enormous clang, like the world is ending. <laughs> but he's just hung up a phone. <sighs> Valder kidnaps, sort of kidnaps McKinley and Tracy. He's like, hey, meet me at, you know, I think something's going on with Caldwell. I don't trust that guy. Meet me at this dockyard or warehouse or whatever. And Caldwell goes yeah, to Valder's you... house. Okay, it was Valder's house. I was wondering, because they just show him, like, breaking into this house, and I had no clue where it was. You wouldn't. And then Valder calls on the answering machine. I'm like, okay, where is he? How does he know he's there? What is he doing? <laughs> yeah, he has but, left... Okay, it's, it's a... Valder's house. Okay. He has left a message on his own answering machine for Caldwell to hear on the assumption that Caldwell is going to break into his house and then play with his answering machine. Well, no, I think he... Or does he, he call in? While, yeah, he calls while he's there, and that the answering machine picks it up, that and he's talking through it. Makes slightly more sense. But yeah, he calls and leaves a message, but he knows the exact moment that Caldwell is in his house. Maybe he has people he's watching like, him. He probably yeah. has people watching him. But yeah, he's like, hey, I got McKinley, and I got Tracy, and I'm going to plug them, see, if you don't come down here and talk to me at this place. <laughs> Which he does. He shows up. A gunfight ensues. Yeah, because your cover is blown now. Either you kill all three of them, which yeah, gets you yeah. no closer to finding this chip, by the way. Because these three are also looking for the chip. They don't know where the fuck it is. What are you going to get out of them? And his plan was to take all three of them, one of whom is a purported <laughs> ex-military badass. <laughs> Desert killmonger, this guy? <laughs> yeah, he has Tracy at gunpoint. McKinley fucks off and just leaves her to her own devices. Caldwell comes in, shoots for the first of two times with a hand cannon that would make Dirty Harry hard. Like, he's got a 357, like a long-ass barrel, 357 Magnum that he shoots Valder with so that he releases Tracy and then takes off at a sprint. I don't think so. You don't get shot by a 357 Magnum, not once, but because in a second he's going to shoot him again, and he kind of like twists for a second and then keeps running. You don't get shot by a 357 Magnum and just keep going like nothing happened. It's not a bee sting. It's a bullet as big Boys. as your arm. And this gunfight is so poorly <laughs> choreographed and filmed. Like, there's one point where he he goes to shoot at Valder. And while he's still bringing the gun down, it goes off and, like, shoots up in the air before he gets it down. Yes. And, like, there's one part where he's he shoots across the room and he's pointing, like, like off to the left or the right. And straight in front of the camera, this stuff goes, like, puffs up in the air like the bullet hit there. 
it's not even close to where he was pointing. Yeah, there's also a moment where he like has his back to the camera and he's like, oh shit, like he heard something and he spins and just shoots at nothing because nothing's there. <laughs> it's all very funny stuff. But they're chasing each other. But yeah, this man who should be dead twice over, because especially the first time, the only thing you could see of him because he was holding Tracy in front of him was his face. Where did you shoot him at? Without blowing a hole through Tracy. His face. <laughs> that man's not running anywhere. He's dead. He has no head left. That's a 357 Magnum, for fuck's sake. But they're chasing each other through all these pallets and storage things and whatever. And Caldwell's like, oh, click, 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 shit, I'm out of bullets. And then ducks down behind a thing, which Valder takes to mean, oh, surely he brought no more bullets with him. He's out of sight. <laughs> Everything will be fine. I heard the gun click. I'm going to give him a, I'm going to speechify at him for a solid 30 seconds. And when he pops up, I'm going to shoot him dead, which of course doesn't happen. <laughs> Because when he pops up, he's reloaded his gun and he shoots Valdair dead. So the third third time's the charm. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe he just winged him. I don't know. But man. And Valdair's also like, he thinks he's the villain of this movie because he's like, I can't wait to hear the anguish in your voice when I shoot you with this gun. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Who talks like that? Anyway. Here's where we go. Yeah, we cut back to Faraday, who has not moved. He's still sitting next to the phone and the houseplant. And he gets a call from Ivan to inform him that, like, hey, I have your daughter, which Faraday did not notice she was gone because <laughs> he's too busy waiting by the phone for, I guess, well, he finally got a call, but it was, I don't know what call he was waiting for. <laughs> because it couldn't be, the first time we saw him, it couldn't be that, like, oh, I know my daughter's been kidnapped. So I'm going to wait here by the phone for the ransom call because you know it's about the chip. Yeah. Why didn't you just take the chip and go, why are you still hiding? I'm exasperated, Chris, I have to tell you. <laughs> I don't know how many different Hold ways on. I can say this movie does not make sense. I, I do want to I want to back up just a second because you did Please. skip the tiny little scene that it probably doesn't seem important. But um, right before that, between Valder's death and that scene, there's a scene we just cut to sometime later they don't even tell us how long and like and jason's like half-heartedly skimming his pool <laughs> yes because he has nothing better to do crouching by the pool holding a pool skimmer in it not really moving and tracy and and uh and david show up and they're like hey you know we we want your help tracking down this arms dealer and he's like no it's over let it go and he agrees to help them but we never actually see that happen we don't see Jason again. He's in this last scene where he's like, okay, I guess I'll help you. And then he's gone from the movie. Yeah, and also, how do they now know about Ivan? Valder didn't tell them anything no. that we saw. As far as they know, Valder is behind this. He's dead. But now they're like, hey, there's this Ivan guy. We, he might be the answer. Who told you that? But no. <sighs> and now we're back at the beginning. And we watch that first seven minutes and 46 seconds all over again as... Professor Faraday shows up with the chip to save Amanda from Ivan. McKinley and Tracy and Caldwell are crawling around. <laughs> and the, yeah, he shoots Natasha, Martina, and yeah, Nail shows up, who we now know is the head of the NSA. Yeah. And he's, I guess, banging Martina? I don't know. They seem like real coupled up when they're talking. But they come in and they're gonna, they announce that they're double crossing him. And what even happens? Faraday grabs Nail and is wrestling for his gun. McKinley comes in, shoots Ivan. Where did Martina go? Well, you know, he's got his gun on Ivan, but Stephen, like, like donkey kicks him <laughs> oh, that's out of right. the room. Kicks him out and the he, door. Like, falls, he, he falls down the stairs and at the bottom of the stairs immediately pops up and shoots a guard that has Tracy hostage. Yes. Which we didn't see her get taken hostage. We did not. <laughs> but where does Martina go? Does Ivan kill her? I, no, or, she just runs off. She just disappears. The, oh, that's there's right. Like a there's a post-credit thing. The pre-credit thing. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so Martina fucks off. Faraday and Nail knock each other out? I don't know. But they're out of the picture. They, no, they, no. They run down Faraday the stairs. Amanda just run. <laughs> they're like, get out of here. And they run down the stairs. And Nail shoots Ivan. Oh, I thought McKinley shot Ivan. No. So no, Nail shoots Ivan and Ivan shoots Nail? 
What happens to Naomi? That, as oh, no. No, no. Faraday was still there at that moment. He, gra- he grabs Stephen's gun and shoots. Wait. <laughs> See, <laughs> we shouldn't have to think this hard about it. And we took notes. Da- Doc shot. Dyke, the Doc shoots Ivan. He grabs the gun and shoots Ivan. Okay. That does not and answer my question. What happened to Nail? <laughs> does McKinley just like chuck him out the door or something? <laughs> anyway, what winds up happening is I don't know. everyone I don't know. runs away. And then McKinley goes back up the stairs to this <laughs> office <laughs> where Ivan is sitting all, already, by the way, bleeding to death from being gut shot by the professor. Mm-hmm. Takes aim at Ivan's oxygen tanks. Told you it was going to come back. Which are conservatively seven feet away from himself (laughs) and shoots this oxygen tank, which causes an enormous fire explosion, which blows him so hard out of this office door (laughs) into the railing. Like he should be dead. Like he had no sense of self-preservation at all. Like he's, we're both, we're going to hell tonight. (laughs) The way I remember it, it was even funnier than that. He, he comes in the room and Ivan like points his gun at him. He's dying. He points his gun at him and Steve like, spaz goes to shoot like ah! like goes to shoot ivan and shoots the tanks instead is on accident that's kind of yeah. funnier yeah blows himself and the entire room up <laughs> yeah he flies so hard out of this room like i thought he was dead for sure which i thought was really funny if mckinley went out like that but no he's fine he kind of rolls down the stairs and then tracy runs up to him he's like oh my god you're okay and he's like yeah i'm okay and then they laugh and then it says the end <laughs> end of movie <laughs> yeah, and then before the credits roll, we do get a little uh, some text on screen that's like Martina was apprehended at the border of blah blah blah, trying to escape yeah. with the chip. And then another thing, I didn't, I don't, I didn't write down exactly what it said because I do not care. But it's something <laughs> about like arms dealers are a real problem, you know. There's real death merchants out there. Watch out. Is <laughs> basically the gist of it. <laughs> This, is, this whole movie was just a PSA for yeah, our benefit. Yes, it was an after-school <laughs> special to warn us about the dangers of death merchants, of arms dealers who are on the verge of lung cancer death anyway. If you just leave them alone long enough, <laughs> so that's the Death Merchant, uh, a profoundly terrible movie that I highly recommend <laughs> because it well, is as I, hilariously as I've already. Bad. Told, yeah, as I've already told you earlier this week, I watched uh, Vampire Kiss with Nicolas Cage for the first time, mm-hmm. and this is, I would rather watch this three more times than watch that again, because it was so bad. Wow, that's a bold yeah. statement. Because <laughs> at least you're getting, like, but, vintage, crazy Nicolas Cage in it. Yeah, that's a bad movie, you're right. But, uh, oh, I'm torn on that before one. We go, <laughs> before we go much of anywhere else with this... Uh, I meant to do this at the top, but I forgot. Uh, I was going to tell you and give a little shout out. I got a, I got you a couple new listeners. So I okay. just wanted to say hi to, to Alex and Lauren, my new friends, because uh, they're going to be listening to this. So, hey, guys. Well, hey, Alex and Lauren. I would I would say shoot me a request, but I don't do those. So <laughs> <laughs> eat shit. Listen to, what I'm, listen to whatever I tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome aboard. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just picking up listeners here and there. Especially once I got on Slasher, I picked up a bunch. Once I, like, I think that crossover with Fright Mike probably helped too. Like, we're growing all the time. Movies aren't getting better, but <laughs> the show maybe <laughs> is. Speaking of, it is that time of the episode when I press the magic button to see what next week's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be. Pressing the magic button now. Next week's movie. That's not encouraging. When I Find the Ocean from 2006, it is on Tubi, and if you should happen to subscribe to it, the Dove channel. Oh, God. So, my guess is Christian movie. Looks like a dog movie, so perhaps a Christian dog movie. (laughs) Which the last time I said that turned out to be Marshall's Miracle, which was not a Christian movie, really. But... I I do hope the dog narrates the movie. I hope you <laughs> don't make that happen. <laughs> I don't know if I have that in me this week to deal with that. But yeah, Dove Channel is known for... I'm going to assume that no one listening to this has a subscription to the Dove Channel. 
Um, but that is a Christian and family specific uh, network. But Tubi, you can watch it on for free because fuck those people. Yeah, When I Find the Ocean, oh, inspired by a true story, even better. Uh-oh. Starring Diane Ladd, Lee Majors, and Graham Greene. Hmm. I'm, I'm just, you know what? I'm going to read the description. I usually don't, but I'm going to read the description here because let's see. A little girl leaves home with her pet dog and rabbit to escape abuse and find the ocean in hopes of feeling closer to her father who has passed away. Okay, I'm, I'm changing my answer. I really hope the dog and rabbit can talk to each other in their heads. Mm. Like, homeward bound. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, do you ever just have a sense of just existential dread just come over you? <laughs> like Cthulhu just licked the back of your neck? That's how I feel right now. When I Find the Ocean from 2006 on Tubi. That is everyone's homework. If God helped you, you choose to accept it. <sighs> Next week, where can people find you, sir? Um, I am on Twitter at, uh, I believe it's at nerd underscore shirt. I am pro- at Project Nerd Shirt on uh, Instagram. I have a Project Nerd Shirt page on Facebook. Yeah, that's about it. Excellent, excellent. I am, as always, at Heath Lambert78 on Twitter. The show is at That's a Random P2. The show has an email address, That's a Random Pod at gmail.com. Send your really anything you want to say. I'm saving them. I'm saving them up. I'm going to have myself a good old fashioned mailbag episode one of these days once I get enough to get a decent runtime out of it. So watch this space, as they say. Artwork for the show by. Joe Humphrey, who is at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter. If you listen to this on uh, the, just if you follow a link or whatever straight to the Podomatic website, that's cool, but also know that if you prefer, I am on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and probably a couple other ones that I'm forgetting. I know. I you listen find to me. I didn't even know I was there. <laughs> I never submitted to them, so that's interesting. <laughs> I wonder if they just kind of reach out to everything else and grab it. I don't know. Because I had to actually submit to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Deezer, maybe? Is that one? I don't know. But anyway, so you can find me those places, too, if those are easier or preferred methods than just listening to it straight out the website, which can, I don't know, can kind of be a pain. Easier for me to read stats that way, but whatever. You do what you want. I ain't the boss of you. I think I'm just, I'm just talking out my ass now. I don't know what's going on. I'm so discombobulated by this movie and the news of what the next movie is, and I'm just in the, I'm in a dark place right now, Chris. <laughs> so, <laughs> on that note, I think that will do it this week. Uh, on behalf of myself and Chris, everyone have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week for more deep drama. I'm sure. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>